talk in hockey because they were talking about the Metro Division. Welcome everybody to the PHI Sky News Podcast. Don't forget that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and leave a five-star review. I'm Petey along with Craig S. Morgan back from his trip down under. And I, I don't know if I'm going to call him a very special guest. When you work for the All-City Umbrella, you're no longer a guest. Right? And you're, you're no, a correspondent. We're really probably no longer special either once we work for the company. So. How does that work? No. Oh, he is, he is the Flyers beat writer, Charlie O'Connor, here with us today. From Charlie PHLY. and PHLY. P-H-L-Y, Charlie and I have known each other a while. We worked together at The Athletic. Uh, Charlie came aboard a short time ago. and when he started? Oh, oh buddy, look at, look at you. Buddy. Look at you. <laughs> Two old guys talking. <laughs> Everyone looks young to yeah, us. Yeah, I know they do. Charlie, how's it going? How are things going with P-H-L-Y? Everything's going good so far. We've been uh, up and running for a few weeks now, getting a... Uh... You know, I feel like a lot of a lot of buzz, a lot of listeners, a lot of viewers, and uh, things are going real good over here. And now I'm just kind of getting myself into Flyers coverage in training camp, which started officially last week. Yesterday was the first preseason game. Flyers looked fantastic, losing six nothing. So uh, start of another <laughs> stellar Philadelphia Flyers season. But uh, but otherwise, everything's going good. But it's funny now because for all of us, this is this is kind of our job. So we have to dive into the preseason, but really, HK, it doesn't matter. Like you could lose them all, and you're still fine. So I wanted to let everybody sure. know ahead of time: the Coyotes are two and three. HK, don't worry about it. But I also I know Craig is just back from Australia. We're going to dive deep into the Australia trip later in the week, probably on Friday. Leah's back tomorrow because she's not used to the time zone thing, so she took another day off. And we're going to get to the Philadelphia Flyers here a little bit later in the show, but we're going to dive deep into the whole Metro Division and see some of the additions, subtractions in this division and see what teams we think are going to make the playoffs. And we're going to start it right off with the New York Rangers. Let's go off Broadway here. Might as well start with the Rangers, the big-name team in this division. We saw we had Artemi Panarin on the thumbnail. So I want to ask a question. I, I don't think PD even agrees with me here, but I want to ask you this, Charlie. Are the Rangers as good as the hype, or is this roster flawed? You know, it's tough for me to say because I don't know, is there a lot of hype around the Rangers? I feel like there's hype because they're a New York team, to be sure. But I don't know. To me, they just strike me as that mid-tier team. The, the thing that's exciting about them, of course, and I talked about this on our show last week, is that they're one of those rare teams that have a star player at forward, a star player on defense, and a star player in goal. So with the core they have they should be a playoff team but you look at the rest of the roster and you know it's fine but i don't see a team that is is up there with you know the devils and the hurricanes in this division especially yeah and you can see the uh the fine graphics that sean DePaz put together graphic. last minute by Beautiful the way because i got them all this oh, information man. literally yesterday after we landed in la and no, we're not sean... doing predictions right not yet. Okay. Not yet. We're not going to do predictions yet. But I just want people to appreciate the beauty of these cards that Sean put together. So Beautiful. you you have obviously have the divi division finish, the record last year, how they did in the postseason, of course, got knocked out by said Devils in the first round of the playoffs in a seven-game series. Some of the additions, head coach Peter Laviolette, Blake Wheeler. I, some we, we talked about last year how the Rangers added all of that age at the deadline. Um Patrick Kane's gone. Tarasenko's gone now, but they kind of did the same thing again in the offseason. Petey, your thoughts on the Rangers? I, I, my, the, the biggest thing for me of the New York Rangers, I was high on them a year ago. The biggest thing for me is their subtractions, and I think that's a good thing. I think they would have done better in the playoffs without Kane and Tarasenko. I thought that was a huge mistake, signing players that they already had carbon copies of that were younger, faster, and better than a Patrick Kane. So I think that's a good thing. I think Blake Wheeler has something to prove. I think that's great. I'm worried about Jonathan Quick. 
because he doesn't have anything to prove. But I, I really like what the Rangers have done. I think the change at the head coach is going to help this team, and you'll be surprised where I have this team finishing. In the okay, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I just, I, I'm with Charlie on this. I, I like the top. I like when you when you talk about their top pieces. Yes, they have some marquee pieces, but I just don't see the depth on this team to compete with. We'll see about the Devils. Yeah, the Devils have something to prove because they've, they've got to sustain it. But Carolina, I mean, is still to me is still the class of this division. I just don't think the Rangers are in that sort of stratosphere. Yeah, well, I, I let's. I, I think we 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 will talk about where they finish later. But let's keep it in that area of the country mm-hmm. to the upstart, young, fast New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I. Charlie, curious for your thoughts on this. Can they can they challenge the Canes for Metro supremacy? Again, you look at the beautiful card that Sean created here. Um, can they challenge the Canes this year? Can they take another step? Is there any concern that maybe they take a step back? Because there's still a lot of youth and a lot of, a lot to uh, accomplish on this roster. That's true. But, you know, if you think about it, they only finished one point behind them last year. So it's not as if taking another step involves them picking up 10 points. You know, they just need to win a few more games here and there. You know, to me, the, the big question with them is goaltending, but the rest of their roster is, is so loaded, particularly in terms of young talent. I, I, I think the Devils, I don't know if the Devils will ultimately go further in the playoffs, but in a regular season, just with, you know, with, with Jack Hughes, I think very well could take another step and, and, and really put himself in on the, t- on the ticket as a potential MVP this year. I think he has that ability. I think the, the progression that his game has been taking over the last few years has been fantastic. And I don't think it's necessarily going to stop here. Um, I think they could win this division, at least in the regular season. Now, when we get into the playoffs, we'll see, but I think they could win this division to be sure. So you talked about the goaltending, and clearly you're not impressed with the addition of Eric Schalgren, who I just put on the graphic, honestly. <laughs> I put him on the graphic for Coyotes uh, fans because he had a cup of coffee here. Um, what do you make of the additions and subtractions, and where do you see the flaws possibly with this roster? Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a Tyler Toffoli fan, so I like that signing. I think for them, too, a lot of this is going to come down to how good those young players do, not the young guys that we know about, you know, not the, the Jack Hughes, the Nico Heashears, because they're more or less veterans at this point, even though they're not old. But, you know, you're talking about, you know, guys like, like Luke Hughes. Um, you know, I know they're trying to find a place for Alexander Holtz. And it kind of goes back to, you know, the Rangers, where – I might not be super high on the Rangers, but you know, if guys like Capo Caco and Alexis Lafreniere, if they step up, then the Rangers have an entirely different ceiling. And I think it's the same thing with the Devils, where they have young guys banging down the door that that are either going to make this team or maybe have an impact at some point in the year. And if those guys can can show that they're not just NHL players but impact NHL players, then this Devils team gets really exciting, and they're already pretty exciting. Yeah, and I, I thought this team took a huge step last year, maybe a, a year earlier than most people expected, but they're offensively, they're they're dynamite. I mean, they're a lot fun, of to, fun watch. to watch. They sure and, and it's going to be interesting to me to see how, how Luke Hughes performs on the back end, and can he mature into into an everyday NHL defenseman this year? And in the back end, you know, Schmidt comes in in the playoffs, and like, oh my God, this kid's amazing. Well, yeah, let's see how he does coming out of the gates in game one. So goaltending is a huge question mark to me. This team can finish anywhere in the line, uh, in, in the standings from second to sixth for me. I mean, it's such a big gap. These teams are so tight, and this is such a good division. I think, I, I yes, I think they're a playoff team, but, but they're going to be extremely fun to watch, but an injury or two, and this team's in trouble. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to the New York Islanders here. Let's throw up that card, Sean, if you can. And I want to ask you this. So there's, <laughs> first of all, significant additions, really none. They lose Josh Bailey and Zach Parise. Um, I'm, I'm not sure Parise matters at this no. point either in his career. But I want to ask you a question. What are the Islanders doing? Are they just spinning their wheels here? And as we talked about off the air, they just lost our friend uh, beat writer Kevin Kurz as well to Philadelphia, who's going to be working with you. What are they doing? What are the Islanders trying to accomplish here? Yeah, I can tell you as as someone who has to watch the Islanders a lot because of the team I cover, they infuriate me because they are just to me they are just so the old way of hockey in terms of their style, in terms of the way they do business, and I just don't enjoy paying attention to them. I don't enjoy having to watch them for multiple games a year. They are easily my least favorite team to watch in the uh, in the Metro right now. I guess aside from the Flyers, if you want to count them as being my least favorite team to watch, because <laughs> I have to watch them eighty two times a year and they're not very good. But uh, no, the Islanders just you know. They can squeak into the playoffs. Obviously, Sorokin's great. You know, they have pieces, and I'm a Matt Barzell fan, but you know, it, it very much to me seems like, you know, Lou Lamorello is, is trying to win the last war with this roster. And you saw it in all the contracts he gave out this summer where mm-hmm. he's signing these these 30, these 30 year olds, these 30 plus year olds to massive contracts. It's very much a like after us the deluge type of like mentality with him where, hey, I'm not gonna be around much longer. So let me squeeze a few more playoff runs out of this team before I retire. Mm. And they, they might be able to do it. Like I think they're good enough to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're good enough to, to make serious noise in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's their goaltending. I mean, it, it, with Sorokin and Varlamov on the back end, they are good enough to win hockey games. Both of those goalies, I think it's the, it's the best tandem in the Eastern Conference right now is a, is a one-two punch. When they're good, they're really good. But, but to your point, I'm not sure what they are. Like yeah. the New Jersey Devils, they're a fast, skilled team. I, the Islanders are in between. They're a tweener for me. They have some nice players. Like We talked about Barzell and Andrews Lee and Nelson. Yeah, I, I like some of the pieces. I just don't know if, if they're young enough and fast enough. They're just, they didn't do enough. And Lou Lamarillo, to me, it's time for him to miss the playoffs. And I think they're just on the outside looking in. Maybe, yeah. Or they're just that first round team, like Charlie was talking about. You get in, but so what? You're, you're out in the first round. That's that, And that's that was the point of my question, too. What are they trying to accomplish? Do they really feel like they can accomplish anything with what they did in the offseason? I don't feel like they can. Yeah, and, and, and unless you're high. <laughs> is that your transition here? Yeah, that's my transition. That my is week. your segue. Yeah, that, okay. I gotta try. When Leah's not here, Charlie, this is how. See, like Leah's really smooth at this. I'm not. But I, I, they don't have. I, I don't even know. Is, is THC and CBD legal there? I I don't know. Charlie would know. In, Charlie in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Well, well. So it's legal in New Jersey. So Philadelphia oh. is very close to the border. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Okay. Well, it's yeah. it's legal here, and I'm a big fan of Wink because it's 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 a it's a seltzer with THC and CBD with just a wink of THC and CBD. You can get a, available in 2.5 milligram or 5 milligram cans. You can find Wink W Y N K right here in Arizona. Look for Wink at all Sunny Goods dispensaries in the Valley and Botanica Dispensary in Tucson. They're now in 12 states nationwide, and even recently launched. Online ordering and home delivery to about a dozen other states. To find the fastest way to get your hands on one, go to drinkwink. That's D-R-I-N-K-W-I-N-K, drinkwink.com. And I am, Charlie, no kidding, huge wink guy. And and I've made it my social drink. I mix it with a little extra seltzer because I'm 55. And and that's my social drink. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know if you know this, PD has some anxiety issues as well. it's phenomenal. And I know, Charlie, just so run across the border and see if it's in New Jersey because it takes the edge off. The other thing that takes the edge off for me is gambling. 
Okay. And it is. I, I, it's, it was football, college football, and, and my son nailed it last night in baseball. He was sending me all his parlays. He won like 400 bucks on three bets. It was phenomenal. So you need to sign up for the BetMGM app. Use the bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app of at least $10, and you will receive $200 instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's outcome. Yes, DP, are you going to say something? Oh, I thought you were going to jump on and talk bets. I I got I had a tough weekend of college football. I'm waiting for hockey to come because I feel like I know more about hockey. I, I think so. And we and Sean and I already know how to how to, to, to when the Coyotes are losing and getting outshot, you hit them hard on the win live in-game betting. So that stuff's coming up really soon. Check out the show notes for full details on the BetMGM Sportsbook app. And now listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. And the best way to boost those odds and increase your winnings is to bet on a parlay. And here is the man behind the Mac, Sean DePaz, with today's parlay pick. If you haven't known, this is kind of apropos considering a guest. Uh, they, they, the Diamondbacks are in the middle of a wild card race Ooh. in the National League amongst with some other teams that are hey, not hey, as hey, important. Hey, you told me um, to get excited about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I know. That was bad advice. Um, huge series for the D-backs against the Chicago White Sox starting today. Um, so my parlay is D-backs themed. It's the Diamondbacks minus one and a half. Alec Thomas, two plus bases. His dad is a longtime coach for the Chicago White Sox. And he grew up in Chicago, so a little homecoming. And then Zach Davies plus one walk because Zach Davies just kind of sucks. Uh, so plus 225, a little same game parlay for the Diamondbacks game tonight. There it is. And there we go. Now it's back to the Metro Division. And, and, and the team, the, the cream of the crop last year, the, the Carolina Hurricanes, they just couldn't get over and, and make their way through this difficult gauntlet in the playoffs. Can they finally break through, Charlie? Are, are the Hurricanes for real? Yeah, I mean, they definitely are for real, without a doubt. And they're a team where it, it's really hard to say this because they lost in the Eastern Conference Final in a sweep. But it was probably the closest sweep I've ever seen in my life. Like every single one of those games either went into overtime or was a one-goal game. The Canes could have won it. And I seriously do wonder if they win that series, which is so weird to say given that they were swept. It wasn't like they lost a seven. But I really wonder if they win that series if Svechnikov plays. Because mm-hmm. to, to me, you know, the one thing this, this Hurricanes team lacks, and it, it's the risk that they're taking in the way they're building a team, is that they don't have that one guy who – terrifies teams who you know mm-hmm. is that superstar level guy like even even vegas last year you know eichel maybe wasn't that guy in the regular season he certainly looked more like that guy in the playoffs the canes really don't have that guy but the closest guy they have to him is Sveshnikov. and to not have him to not have a guy who can sort of manufacture a game-winning goal out of nothing they had to just grind it out and they made it through the first two rounds doing that. Finally in, in the third round, they ran into a hot goalie. They ran into kind of like a team of destiny sort of in Florida yep. and it just didn't work out. But I really think that you give them Sveshnikov that series certainly isn't a sweep and Carolina might win it. And if they win it, then who knows what happens in the final. 
Yeah, I think their biggest problem is the ability to score goals. I think this team yeah. can defend as, as good as anybody in the Eastern Conference. I, I clearly think if all things are being equal, they were a better team than the Florida Panthers. I love Carolina. They're so aggressive on the puck. They, the way they play... Uh, I, to see that matchup between Vegas and Carolina yeah. would have been a hockey fan's dream. Yeah, like that, that's hard nose big boy hockey. And they lost. Obviously, they lost a bunch of the guys they picked up at the dead, day, deadline. I'm, I think they can do that again. You can replace those players. Curious what you guys think about the Michael Bunting fit. I don't want to talk about Tony D'Angelo. I'd really rather not ever talk about Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> but Michael Bunting added to this roster. Thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I like him as a player. Obviously, he had some some issues this past year with uh, with penalties in Toronto. There was that whole thing. But I don't hate the idea of them adding a little bit more sandpaper to that lineup, and he certainly does. That said, I mean, this is a four-check team, and that's yep. the, the real thing that, that stands out about, about the Canes is that, you know, maybe they have a reputation in some circles as being like the analytics team and, oh, they're all about skill. Like, yeah, they have skill and they have depth. But they grind you into submission. They just attack and attack and attack. They play dump and chase all game, and they just wear you down. And I think a guy like Bunting, in theory, stylistically, could fit perfectly there. Because not only is he a really good four-checker, he's also the kind of guy that gets under your skin. And if you're already you know, going into the corner you know, three times in a shift to try to win a puck battle, it's maybe not the worst thing to have a guy who just might be able to sneak an extra elbow in there just to, just to take off the other team a little bit more. Yeah, and I think when you talk about the speed of this team, this is their blueprint. And Michael Bunting, if one thing he, he can do is he can get on the puck quickly on the forecheck. But you talk about players like, you know, Aho, Natchez, um, Sveshnikov, Teravainen, they don't have that little edge. They compete and they skate like hell, but they don't have what Bunting has. And so I think it's something that they did miss. Martinuk would like to play like that. He's just not fast enough. And he doesn't have the edge like he used to when he was a little bit younger. So I think this is a huge addition. But I love this team because of what they do on the back end. We're not talking about Tony D, but when you're talking about Orloff, Slavin, mm. uh, Brady, Shea, Brent Burns, this team, can they can defend. Like yep. they, they are the... I, I like their top six, and they can defend with anybody in this league. And this, the Eastern Conference is high-end skill. You better be able to defend, and that's why I really like this Carolina Hurricane team coming into this season. All right, speaking of high-end skill, let's talk about the uh, key addition geez. to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know Petey loves talking about Eric Carlson, uh, the runaway Norris Trophy winner, of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> so can Eric Carlson, with, with the talent that the Penguins still have left from those cup teams, can he spark one more Penguins run? Charlie, your thoughts? No. I, I'll say that right <laughs> off the bat. No, I don't think he has. What I think he does do, and I think this is honestly what they're going for more than anything, I think he makes them relevant again. I, I think had they not made that trade, had they not you know switched Hextall out for Dubis, this is a team that was going to fall into a rhythm of just not making the playoffs every year and not being relevant. And I think what the Eric Carlson trade does is it makes them relevant again. And it makes them a team that they're going to be battling for a playoff spot. You know, maybe they sneak in, maybe they don't, but they're going to be in the mix. And I think honestly, if you hook a lot of the, uh, maybe not Dubis, because I'm sure he has the, the mentality that he wants to win a cup because that's just the way he's built. But I think honestly, if you hook up most of that ownership to a lie detector, they might tell you that like, Look, we're not expecting cups, but we want this team to stay competitive. And I think Carlson, assuming he stays healthy and assuming the last year's version of Carlson is the Carlson they can expect to get at least for next year, I think we'll keep them relevant. But this is just not that deep of a team, mm. and their best players are all real old. I mean, Crosby's still real, real good, but Malkin isn't what he used to be. Still a 
a very good player, don't get me wrong, but he's not a top five player in the league anymore. And these guys, as they get older, they're only going to get worse. So to me, that was a trade meant to keep this, this team relevant rather than a trade to be like, man, they could now go on a cup run. You, you, you mentioned Kyle Dubas, obviously. I'm curious for your thoughts on his addition. Obviously, they were very active this offseason in large part because of him. You saw all the additions and subtractions to this roster. What do you make of his fit in Pittsburgh? Well, I, I think he fits what the ownership wants, which is a forward-thinking guy, obviously open to analytics, kind of has a younger perspective. I think the thing with Hextall, and I say this is someone who covered Ron Hextall for a while, Ron Hextall, he has his strengths as a GM, but he's a very, very stubborn general manager. And I think Ron Hextall got it in his head that they hired me to do a rebuild, and then they changed their minds. And... It's not my fault they changed their minds. I have a vision, and I want to execute that vision. Whereas Dubis, at least, will do what you know Fenway Sports Group wants them to do, wants him to do, which is try to win and try to keep this team as relevant as possible as long as they have Sidney Crosby, Crystal Tang, and Evgeny Malkin on the team. I just don't think, even though Ron Hextall did ultimately do that and did try, I guess, to build a team last year once he got Latang and Manmal going to come back, I just don't think his heart was ever fully in it. Whereas I do think Dubas's heart is going to be fully in it, and he'll probably make better trades than the ones that Hextall made at the deadline last year, which were just horrible. Um, but uh, but I, I still don't think this team has a high enough ceiling unless Sidney Crosby finds the fountain of youth and just dominates for two months and you know, in April, May, and June. Yeah. I just don't see this team as a cup contender. I, I, I think there's too many problems here. And it starts right in the back end for me with Tristan Jari and Alex Nadelkovich. That's your starting goalies, uh, one and two pair. I, I just don't think they're good enough. Uh, I think Eric Carlson on the San Jose Sharks, there's one puck, one player. In Pittsburgh, there's one puck and a lot of players. They're gonna, they've already come out publicly and said they're going to put Latang and Carlson on the power play together. Well, that changes your whole philosophy and what you're trying to accomplish there. So now already, already making changes to, to accommodate a star player. Can't defend. Latang can't defend. This team can't defend. Um, they're going to score. They're going to get their goals. And their power play is probably going to be top 10 in the league. But they're going to give up a whack of goals. They're going to be on the underneath side of the plus minus, and they're out of the playoffs. Okay. What about the Washington Capitals? Is this team in denial? They're clearly in decline. I mean, you can look at the, the additions and subtractions here. Spencer Carberry takes over. A, a guy who's had a lot of accolades, actually. Uh, Scotty Allen, of course, coached with him in Hershey and there are a lot of people. It, it, it's nice to see. I'll, I'll at least say this. It's nice to see an up-and-comer get a chance instead of some of the retreads that didn't work out so well. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, but it, it to me, the, the Capitals are just just not there anymore. This feels like, okay, let, let's just try and extend the OV run as long as we can. Maybe, again, keep this team relevant. Uh, curious for your thoughts on the Capitals. I think the Capitals are quickly morphing into a vehicle to get Alexander Ovechkin the goals record and not a team that is actually trying to win playoff games. And you know what? This happens. Like this happens to teams that go for it for a decade or a decade plus. Yep. You sign guys like TJ Oshie to long-term deals and the bill comes due at some point. Suddenly he's 36 years old and has a big cap hit that he's not worth anymore. And this is what's happening up and down their lineup. I feel like, you know, I think if they, if they were, if they really took an honest look at their situation, what they would have done is they would have traded Tom Wilson for a boatload of futures and looked to build for the future because some team would have given the move for Tom Wilson. He's like the NHL GM dream player. 
Instead, they sign him to a massive contract that's going to last him through his 30s. And, like, in the short term, sure, him being around will make it easier for Alexander Ovechkin to score goals, to be sure. But when he's 33 and that player type, that player type body doesn't tend to, to age particularly well, in addition to having a bunch of other old guys on long-term deals, like, this could get ugly real quick. I don't think it's going to be ugly yet, but I, I don't think this is a playoff team. Yeah, and I look at adding Max Pacioretty, and we saw how well that worked out um, last season in Carolina. Not not so good. I, I just think this team, there's one or two injuries away from being just a disaster of a season. Yeah. The only people, we're watching the Washington Capitals to watch Ovechkin. Like, and I, I, we saw them a lot last year, and you watch him play from the blue line in in his own end. It's it's literally comical. Like, and I, I, I implore people to watch him defend and watch him turn a wheel in the defensive zone because he just doesn't. The only time I ever saw him defend was when Barry Trotz was there, and they inexplicably oh, they, ran Barry Trotz out of town. And, and they said, won a cup, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Oh, huh, funny how that works. Yeah, yeah. this capital seems no good. And yep. Okay. Question, 72 goals shy of tying Wayne Gretzky. When does it happen? Is he going to keep up sort of the pace that we've seen the last few years? I mean, their entire offensive system, their entire strategy on the ice is meant to facilitate Alexander Ovechkin getting goals. So, like, no, he's not going to score 70 this year. But I think he breaks 40 as long as he stays healthy, which probably puts him on track to do it the following season. At the mullet. We want it to be at the mullet, Charlie. Sorry. I know you'd like to have it. (laughs) At he's the got, he's already got one the very famous goal scored in, in Arizona. Yeah, was in Glendale, might as well be at the mullet. Yeah, the one from his back. The mullet. Uh, all right, let's move on from the Caps to the oh. last of the Metro Division teams before we get to the Flyers. Oh. And I mentioned uh, retread coaches versus up-and-comers. Well, uh, things worked out very well for the Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> and Yarmo Kekalein in the offseason bringing Mike Babcock aboard. Oh, wait, subtractions. He's gone already. How does Columbus dig out of this mess? Maybe they've already started by jettisoning Mike Babcock. I am fascinated to see how this team opens the season because, you know, you could see it kind of go one of two ways. Either it could just be complete organizational chaos and the whole thing is just a disaster. Or, you know, maybe they rally around Vincent and the players maybe are thrilled that Babcock isn't there and suddenly they overachieve. Like they did have a lot of injuries last year. A lot of guys got hurt. They do have good young players coming in. Obviously, they drafted Fantilli. I really like Kent Johnson's skill. So they have some guys. It's not that they're they're lacking for talent, but – I just, you know, I don't know this after the dumpster fire that was the last few weeks in Columbus, <laughs> you know, you have to wonder if that infects the entire organization. Yeah. What do you make of the Babcock situation? I mean, you know, I obviously wasn't covering it up close, so I don't want to speak to the details of, you know, which players took it well, which players didn't. But to me, I think the big thing is just that the reaction, obviously, you know, Paul Bissonnette's been chicklets, and then it, it, it grows from there. It just shows how little cachet Babcock had with the players in the NHL that Mm -hmm. no one in the league really trusted this guy. And, you know, whether this was a really big deal, whether this was a smaller thing that was blown out of proportion a little bit, I can't speak to it. I wasn't covering it. I haven't talked to any of the players involved, but Babcock was on such thin ice because of his previous actions with NHL players, with the entire NHLPA, the entire players, the group in the league that, to me, something like this was inevitable. I just didn't expect it to happen before even a single training camp practice. I just want to say one thing on on the Spit and Chicklets report. First of all, the the people that were attacking them, and listen, I get these guys are not trained reporters. We, we do actually go to school for this, and there are things that we learn on the job as well. So it's not like someone can just step in 
you know, hold a camera, a, a mic or a camera or a recorder in someone's face and suddenly transform into a reporter who knows what the hell they're doing. But what I'll say about Spittin' Chicklets is this. They are a player's podcast. They have a direct line to the players and they have the players trust. So anybody questioning that information, you better take that into account. Players will tell them exactly what is happening behind the scenes. And that was sort of the information that I was processing immediately when it came out. I was like, oh boy, there's there's more here. I know the league, you, you saw Bill Daly's comments right after saying it looks like this was not that big a deal. The PA kept at it. Credit to the PA and credit to Spit and Chicklets for getting it out, exposing what happened there. And I think I'm going to bring up something Charlie said. It's it's how does this team respond now? Yeah. And and is it is it Johnny Hockey jumping for joy and go? I'm going to get 40 this year because Mike Babcock is gone. <laughs> um, I, Adam, I, Adam Fantilli's happy now. Yeah, and and now we're going. Okay, we're all going to band together and show how good we are. I I could. And this is a team that I have way at the bottom, towards the bottom of the standings. But but honestly, they've, they've got some nice hockey players. Fantilli's looked great in camp. Johnny Hockey can still play. Liney can still play. Like, there's some good players on this team. I just don't know if they went too much too soon during a rebuild and go, oh, let's get Johnny Hockey now. They weren't ready for Johnny Hockey. No, so I, I don't know if it's how they build this team back together. I, I think they're a mess with the GM. And it, we'll see where this team goes. But you know where you can see where this team goes, Craig? on fubo tv because fubo tv literally has everything for your tv watching needs and all of your streaming services go to fubo because you want to watch sports go to fubo we talked about the weekend college football go to foot fubo tv and that's not for bo fu bo which i think it should be like he should sponsor fu bo that's our cardinals beat guy so watch all your favorite college football and nfl with fubo go to www dot www dot there's three w's Dot, it says it on here. Dot, <laughs> FuboTV.com slash PHNX. That's www.FuboTV.com backslash PHNX to sign up for a 15% off your first month of FUBU Pro. And you could probably get FUBO at Illegal Pete's. And I know we're talking about going to Illegal Pete's not only here in Phoenix, but also in Tucson in a week. Charlie, if you get out here, you got to try Illegal, oh, illegal Pete's. Just saying. It's right Fire. in Tempe, right by the mullet. You got to try it. Come yeah, on. it's a sports <laughs> bar, Mexican food. It's, it's phenomenal. Illegal Pete's is your go-to spot this summer. Stop by for happy hour from 3 to 8 p.m. every day at all 12 locations. Illegal Pete's, the go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer for 28 years. All right. Ready, Craig, to move is on? It, is it time now? Is it time for us to talk about really the, the, your, the cream of the your wheelhouse here? Here it is. Cream of the crop. Cream of the With crop. Danny Briere, the Danny Briere yeah. led. Yeah. Let's, as long as he had, Sean DePaz is very happy. Sean DePaz is a big Buffalo Sabres fan. Obviously, Danny Briere did his best work in Buffalo. For some reason, the Coyotes decided to trade him right before the rules started favoring smaller players because that's how I was going to say, you, you, got, you guys got a good Briere connection here. Yeah. Yeah. We have a great, yeah. We have we have some connections to the to the Flyers, period, like Brian Boucher. Oh, oh, like, yeah. You, so anyway, um, but let's, let's start with Danny Briere since he's there. Um, what has been your read on... The early going with Danny Breer. What's it going to be like to deal with? What do you think is going to define his tenure? Well, I think, you know, the big thing I think that is going to define his tenure, because it's going to define this entire era of Flyers hockey, is that this is probably the first time in their history that they are rebuilding, that they are truly rebuilding. They've had some down years. They've had bad years here and there. But this is the first time where they've not only plan to start over but have flat out announced it and have straight up said to the fans 
we're rebuilding, we're using the word, there's going to be some short-term pain, but we'll get this back going in the right direction. And Briere's the guy who's been entrusted with the rebuild. And I think to me, and you know, he maybe didn't do as much this offseason as some people maybe hoped he was going to do, but to me, the trade that really gave me confidence that he he has the ability as a general manager because he's a first-year GM. Uh, he obviously took over the job in an interim basis near the end of last year. But really, I mean, this isn't a guy who had a long apprenticeship. He was basically special assistant to Chuck Fletcher for more or less a little over a year. You know, he's not a guy who has been toiling away as an AGM for a decade or a half decade or whatever. So there was some question as to, Will he be able to do the job? And I really like the Ivan Proveroff trade, number one, because it was a trade that Chuck Fletcher had been talking about, not specifically with, you know, with the Kings and the Blue Jackets, but he'd been talking about Ivan Proveroff for over a year. Ivan Proveroff had made it clear he wasn't happy in Philly anymore. But Fletcher had never, for whatever reason, whether it was, you know, not wanting to admit that this was over, not wanting to admit that the Flyers needed to start over, not being allowed to admit that the Flyers needed to start over, he always hung on to Proveroff. And Briere comes in, trades him real quick, but doesn't just trade him real quick. He found a way to get creative. He turned it into a three-team deal, took on Sean Walker, took on Cal Peterson, and he did that so he could maximize the return. He got a first-round pick back for Proveroff, which was mm -hmm. what he wanted in that deal. And I'm not sure if Chuck Fletcher would have been able to do that because I don't know if Chuck Fletcher would have been able to execute a three-team deal just to get the return he wanted. Because, look, Proveroff hasn't been – the best version of Provorov really since 2019, 2020. It's been a while. He was a depreciating asset. And I give Danny Breer a lot of credit, number one, for having the guts to trade him, number two, for getting good return, but number three, being creative enough to get the kind of return that he needed to justify the deal, even though Provorov hasn't been good for the last few years. Fun fact about Ivan Provorov, that's who Don Maloney wanted to draft that yeah. year, in 2015, huh. when they drafted Dylan Strome. Who? Uh, we don't talk about didn't want Strom. to draft. We don't talk Dylan about Strom Strom either. Strom here okay, but wait, we wait, digress. Wait. Go ahead. <laughs> wait, wait, we, did, we already spent time talking about Babcock. Let's talk about the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, John Tortorella, who is who are, uh, of Philadelphia. Sometimes John Tortorella gets thrown in that basket, and, he, and he's just that's not who he is. Like he's he's to me, he's a coach that coached here to start his career. John Tortorella is just an honest black and white coach, and I'm going to be honest to your face: if you don't like it, you don't like it. And, and I think that's much, much different than what we're hearing from Babcock. How does the Tortorella era going to proceed in Philadelphia? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, John Tortorella and Danny Breer, actually, when we talked to him at the start of camp, he made this point that when they hired John Tortorella, he was obviously in the front office. He had a misconception about John Tortorella and that he thought that John Tortorella would be one of those classic coaches who'd play all the vets, who, who wouldn't, who was all about winning, you know, every single game and not looking far into the future. And John Tortorella last year, not only was he open to the idea of a rebuild, he was honestly the strongest voice in that organization saying, we can't keep putting Band-Aids on this problem. We need to start over, and we need to play the kids as much as possible. So Tortorella, for what it's worth, I think is fully invested in the idea of a rebuild. Now, the question of whether he's the right guy to coach the rebuild, that that's fair. Because, look, I'm with you in that I do not think Tortorella is a Babcock. I think the big difference between the two of those guys is that you know, and again, I've never had direct interactions with Mike Babcock, so I'm just going by the stories. The perception that way too many players get 
from Mike Babcock is that he just doesn't care about them. He doesn't care about them as people, that they are disposable objects meant to further the glory of Mike Babcock. John Tuttrell, on the other hand, look, some guys don't like him. Some guys he rubs the wrong way and they just don't click. But John Tortorella, I legitimately believe, does care about his players. And I think most of his players, even if you put them under a lie detector, like even if you put Kevin Hayes under a lie detector and they did not click, I think that he would admit that John Tortorella isn't coming at this from a bad place. They may not agree on anything, but he's not coming at it from a bad place. So I think that that's the key difference between Torts and Babcock. However, and this is a big thing, the Flyers, if they're going to pull off this rebuild, they're going to have to do it with young players. They're going to have to do it with the next generation of young hockey players. And it's still a question whether John Tortorella can successfully develop, you know, a Cutter Gauthier, a Matvey Mitchkoff. You know, we'll see. And it's possible. It's just, you know, he's obviously from a different generation, and it's easier for him to connect with a Cam Atkinson or a Sean Gauthier than it is for him to connect with a hyper-skilled 18, 19-year-old. Not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying it's a question, and we'll see if he can do it. I want to stick with that for just a minute because it's interesting to me because I have wondered myself, can John Tortorella truly embrace a rebuild? We haven't seen, I guess, enough of that. What has he said to you about trying to develop younger players and get into that mindset of, yeah, it's not about winning every day. Obviously, he still wants them to compete. Every coach does. You're going to hear all of those things, but he understands that they're going to be hiccups and this is not going to be a playoff team. What has he said about that to you? Oh, he's fully on board. And, and you know, credit him, especially in the second half of last year, you know, he was using Noah Cates, a rookie, essentially as his first line tough minute center. He was using Morgan Frost as a second line center. He was given Owen Tippett. 24 minutes a night for like a good month he was playing cam york on his first pair you know this was a guy who was honestly force feeding the kids minutes because he felt like it was best for their development so at least last year he showed he's willing to do it it's going to get tougher because they're going to have more and more kids and it's just going to be more difficult for any coach to make sure that they all have the kind of ice time they're going to need to develop but Part of the reason why the Flyers think that Tortorella is the right fit for the rebuild. It's not just because, you know, he's a hard ass. It's not just because, you know, he fits that old school Flyers mentality. They really trust, for better or worse, they really trust John Tortorella's ability to evaluate who has it and who doesn't. And they kind of want to use Tortorella almost as a weeding out tool to tell them like, hey, you know, there's this 22-year-old who we're pretty high on. We think he has talent. After a year under John Tortorella, Tortorella goes to, to Briere and goes to Keith Jones and said, this kid just doesn't have what it takes to be a, 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 an impact player on a cup team. So go trade him and get me somebody who can. Now, again, we'll see if they're right. But they're very much viewing Tortorella as an essential piece of this rebuild, not just in terms of how he develops kids, but in terms of how he finds out which kids should be part of this and which kids shouldn't. Mm, that's fascinating. All right. You mentioned Matt Vey Mitchkov. I don't know how much behind the scenes you can tell us or know, um, but walk us through how it, the perception at least is that Matt Vey Mitchkov orchestrated his way to Philly. I I think there's there's absolutely truth to it. I think that he really liked the idea of playing for Philly. I think he looked at the teams in the top 10, you know, past the first few, and he sort of zeroed in on Philadelphia as being maybe his team of choice. That said, you know, another team could have taken him and just taken the risk. I don't know. Like, obviously, the team that's most relevant in this conversation are the Coyotes. I strongly doubt 
that Mate Mitchkov would have been willing to play for the Coyotes. I think he wanted to play in what he deemed to be a hockey market. And I think whether it was said directly or whether it was just through back channels, it was made clear to the Coyotes like, hey, don't take him because he won't be happy and this will be a mess. But the Flyers, I think, just kind of checked his boxes. He wanted to be in what he considered to be a traditional hockey market. And I think he just connected with with people in the Flyers organization. They have a Russian scout, Ken Hudikoff, who I, I believe you know has built something of a relationship with Mitchkov. He's been over in Russia, so he was able to actually you know see him in person, which a lot of teams couldn't. This is an advantage the Flyers have being a big market team with Comcast being behind them in terms of big money. So they have the ability to uh, to, to kind of go all over Europe and find these guys and build relationships. So I think it was a lot of things, but. I definitely think Mitchkoff, you know, I think there were teams that could have taken Mitchkoff. Like, for example, my understanding of the Flyers <laughs> that they were worried about Montreal because they thought that, number one, Montreal could make sense for him, and they thought that he would have went to Montreal. Hmm. They were never worried about the Coyotes because yeah. I think they knew that the Coyotes were never going to take him because the Coyotes knew that Mitchkoff was never going to play for the Coyotes. Yeah. He, he told them that, so... Yeah. <laughs> so there it is. All right. Let's, uh, I, I want to uh, get a local bent to this uh, with so many of the key pieces, at least the, 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 the big names that we're familiar with from the Flyers recent past, Claude Giroux, <laughs> Voracek, who is one of those Coyotes Coyote. legends now. He'll be in the Coyotes legends quarter. Shane Goss is bare. You mentioned Provorov earlier. We want to ask you a guy, about a guy with local ties who often gets overlooked there. Tell us what Sean Couturier has meant to the Flyers and might still mean to the Flyers moving forward. Yeah, I mean, this is a big year for him. He's missed the last year and a half. He, he basically hurt his back in the 2021-2022 season. Uh, he's been out since December of 2021, had back surgery in early 2022, showed up to camp last year, and basically they found out he pretty much needed another back surgery. Um, worked on rehab, actually was cleared to come back near the end of last season, but there was an organizational decision that, like, we don't want you coming back and not being up to speed everybody's 65 games into a regular season and then you get hurt again so let's just wait until next year he wanted to play i think he was kind of you know going stir crazy not being able to play but last night was his first game back um you know in a game it was preseason but it's still a game he looks rusty but we're talking about a really good player here and the big question for the flyers you know he's got seven years left on a massive cap hit of nearly eight million dollars He's got a no movement clause. You know, even if he didn't have the no movement clause, he'd be functionally untradeable because no one's taking on a guy with that many years and that high of a cap hit coming off two back surgeries unless he proves he's 100% healthy. So it's a big thing for the Flyers this year with him because, number one, you get Sean Gatourier back and he's close to what he was pre-injury or exactly what he was pre-injury, you've got a 1C right there. And suddenly maybe the rebuild doesn't take as long. If he comes back and he's 60% of what he was, then suddenly you've got a cap albatross on your books for the next decade. So it's huge for the Flyers. For it, it honestly, we better off the Flyers would be better off if Sean Gatourier re-injures his back and never plays again, as opposed to Sean Gatourier coming back at sixty percent and being a drag on their cap through twenty thirty. Well, the, the Coyotes need another forward on their <laughs> on their ring of honor to play with Hosa and that's out the line. So maybe you know? Sean Couturier yeah, there you can go. fill that spot. One, one more player. One last player we want to talk about is the goaltender Carter Hart, who started his career simply on fire for Philadelphia. He struggled for a couple of years. What do you make of Carter Hart, and what does he need to do this season? 
Well, I think Carter Hart, honestly, last year was was very good for for a team that was not very good defensively, especially in the first half of the year for a team that struggled pretty much all year. Maybe Hart's, you know, save percentage up close doesn't look great. You look at advanced metrics. He was he he saved a bunch more goals than expected by the public data. My understanding is he also did that via private data, too. It was just that he faced a lot of chances. This was a team that was in flux. They were learning Tortorella's system. They were learning how to deal with John Tortorella, period. And Carter Hart got shelled some nights because the team just didn't have it. And he was just kind of left there hung out to dry. So I think Carter Hart is, you know, don't be fooled by the last couple of years of his save percentage. I think he is a legitimate number one goalie in the NHL. Now, is he a star goalie? No, he's not. He's young enough that he could be. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But I think at the very least, he's a solid starting NHL goalie with the upside for more. Now, the thing with Hart that you know you have to you know worry about if you're a Flyer, obviously if you're a Flyers fan, is that you know he was on that that Team Canada World Juniors team. So there's there's a lot of concern as to whether he was involved, and we just don't know. But, you know, that's something that sort of hangs over as a black cloud where, you know, you can be excited about him. You can say, hey, maybe he takes another step. You just hope that he wasn't involved in that. Well, one thing we all want to be involved in is the Circle K. What's, what's that thing called? The Inner Circle? Yes. GP? Can be involved in the inner circle. It's free on the Circle K up there. Circle K is everywhere now. The Craig is back in Arizona. He'll be stopping in Circle K for a polar pop. Why, Craig? Because they don't sweat. Cups don't sweat. Yep. Cups don't sweat here in Arizona. And that, uh, Charlie, that's a big deal if the cups don't sweat because in Arizona, I don't know if you know this, but it's hot here. So join the inner circle for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. And what do you get? You get 25 cents off your first six fill-ups at Circle K. So visit CircleK.com for more details on the, what's the club? I just said it. Inner Circle. Inner Circle. Wait, why do I forget that? It's my age. And last, lastly, now that Craig is back, I don't know if you you followed PHNX while, while, while Craig was in Australia. He wrote a lot. You wrote a lot. Story every day. You had to roll a lot. <laughs> yep. So you're going to take a break from stories? You're going to keep pumping them out? No, I'm going to keep pumping them Buddy. out because I don't know if you knew this, but the season's about to start. So <laughs> There you go. So yeah. where do you got to go? You got to go to gophnx.com. Become a diehard because I tell you what, at a diehard, you get the free t-shirt hat every year on your anniversary. You get discount to all of our events. You get a part of our Discord where Craig I and Lee, I and Lee are in almost daily. And mm-hmm. as the season progresses, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Discord. You definitely want to be a part of it. Um, you can also be a part of our other beats. And one of the other beats is our Cardinals beat. And you can reserve your tickets for free to our PHNX Cardinals away game watch parties. And they are at the Bet MGM Sportsbook on the grounds of State Farm Stadium out in Glendale. Join us for every away game at the Bet MGM Sportsbook at State Farm Stadium for ticket raffles that Charles won. Did you know what Charles Woodall Pike won tickets? I did. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Prize giveaways and much more. And if you haven't been to the Bet MGM Sportsbook in Glendale, make sure you go. It's a fantastic sport bar. Great food, and it's right by the stadium, so you can pretend they're home, but even when they're not. So check out the the show notes um, for more details on on that. But we're going to talk a lot more PHNX, a lot more stories as this week goes on, and what's on for diehards. But for now, lastly, this is quick hitters because we know Charlie has another job to do because he has his own station. We are going to go through our predictions one through eight. 
For the Metro? Of the Metro division. Okay. And I I, I can go first. What you guys think and, and prepare your list. Go and I'm, I'm going to just <laughs> fire them off really quick. And I'm, I'm writing put, these down. I'm going to put whole seconds into thinking about this. I'm going to write these down. Right. The, the defending division champions, Carolina Hurricanes, the New York Rangers with their new coach, Lavoillette, upset the Devils. They finish in second okay. place in the Metro. The Devils in third. Those three are the, clearly the top three for me. The next three are the middle three. I've got the Islanders, the Pittsburgh Penguins out of the playoffs, the Capitals out of the playoffs. That's the middle three, and they could go honestly in any order. And then the bottom two, because we've already said Philly's re- rebuilding. I'm going to Columbus in seventh, and the Philadelphia Flyers picking up the end in eighth. You want me to go next? And we'll leave I, I Charlie like for that. last? Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm writing this down. Carolina Hurricanes are going to win this division, but the New Jersey Devils are going to be right behind them again. Uh, I think those two stay right there. And again, I, I think there's a big gap between those two teams, bigger than most people think between okay. those two teams and the New York Rangers. In fourth place, though. Wait, what about three? I, I just said the New York Rangers. Oh. You need to pay attention here. I'm trying. Okay. In fourth place, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins jumping the Islanders. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. That's a bad pick. <laughs> Pittsburgh, they stink. <laughs> All right. I've got true. the Islanders in fifth, the Caps in sixth. You have two more teams, Columbus and Philly. Yeah, I've got the Columbus Blue Jackets ahead of the Philadelphia Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers bringing up the rear and maybe getting a little bit more lottery luck than the Coyotes have ever had. Yeah. Charlie, your turn. So I will, uh, I will, as I hinted earlier, I'm going to go with the Devils to win the division in a close <laughs> battle like with Obviously, the Hurricanes are second. Uh, then I'll go with the Rangers at three. I will go with the Islanders at four, the Penguins at five, the Caps at six, Columbus at seven, and then your Philadelphia Flyers in last. One more time, need one more year to get another high-end talent to further this rebuild. How Bye-bye. close do they finish to the worst record in the league then? Uh, I, I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as the Sharks. I think the Sharks are are the worst team by a pretty sizable margin so hmm. let's say like 11 or 12 points yeah wow that's impressive and and i'll, I'll say this because we've been watching that we've been on rebuild watch for a couple of years here in arizona <sighs> hopefully you have a beer sponsor in at bhly because you're you're gonna need it i, I just oh, want to point I something know, right? out from joel joel <laughs> said only leah can read the chat and make the show she is that is the truth yeah. i i just i suck at that i can't see the goddamn screen speaking of leah i do have her Predictions for the division as oh, well. Oh, you do? Yeah. You're going to roll I out Leah's, too. Leah's predictions? Yeah, I can read them off of you. Go ahead. Okay. Leah's uh, first. Got the mic. <clears throat> so she went Carolina, New okay. Jersey, Rangers, Pittsburgh, Islanders, Washington, Columbus, Philly. Exactly what same. I picked. Okay. So she'll be right. wrong. <laughs> there it is. Sean, to pause. I'm going to go with exactly what you said. Same yeah? thing as you and Leah. Yeah. Carolina, so New, York, New Jersey. Uh, actually, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, same okay. thing. So you're saying all three of us are wrong. Yeah, you're, okay. and I'm right. Well, it, it is right. it is theoretically possible that the Penguins could finish fourth and still miss the playoffs. It is. Yeah, Maybe, it maybe is. you get two wild cards in the Atlantic. But you could end up with five in the Metro. And this is, I really believe this. I think this is the best division in hockey. I think there's so much parity in this division. I think there, we, we talked about all the teams from one to, to six. I think they're almost interchangeable. I think that if Pittsburgh has a hell of a run and Carlson lights it up again and Jari's good, 
could could Pittsburgh be in the top three? Absolutely, I think they could. Um, so I, I think this division is is really strong, and it's going to be interesting to see who beats who. And you got to play everybody in this division so many times, you can beat each other up, and mm-hmm. some surprise team could come out. So it's something we're going to watch. Speaking of watching things, make sure you keep your eye on Charlie O'Connor and PHLY. It's PHLY underscore Flyers mm-hmm. for their show and for their Twitter account. And Charlie is at Charlie. O underscore con that's C-O-N-N and follow Charlie because if you want to keep up on the Flyers and everything that Danny Briere is doing make sure you follow him follow Craig at Craig S. Morgan me at S. Peters Hockey at Sean underscore deposit follow the show at PHNX underscore Coyotes thanks everybody for tuning make sure you hit that like button subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our content and thank goodness Leah is back tomorrow but we'll see everybody on Wednesday Charlie thanks so much for joining us good luck at PHLY we'll be watching your content Craig anything I just want to say thanks, just like that. And, and you know, we'll probably invite you back again, Charlie, and hopefully we won't make you stay the whole hour next time. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And I'll, 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 we'll, we'll definitely look to have you guys on as well. All right, thanks. buddy. Thanks, Charlie. We'll see everybody tomorrow with Leah's return.